0: I oh, should sure. no.
1: giving a retreat here, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I'll be here uh, for the first three Sundays, for the first three weekends of March, I'll be out of the country, I'll be back uh, middle of sometime in the middle of March, Okay. all right, <laughs> uh, so, believe it or not, this is still introduction to <laughs> Buddhism. And uh, we've been talking a lot about just the Mahayana part of Buddhism, the 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 especially the Mahayana as it is practiced in Tibet. So, the goal of Mahayana Buddhism is to become a fully enlightened Buddha. And we've been talking about what are the what are the different stages of a pra- someone who's practicing. Uh, before they uh, finally arrive to Buddhahood. So we've talked about all the ten stages already, all the ten Bhumis. And in each Bhumi, we we learn that uh, there's one of the perfection is brought to an exceptional uh, quality. So the practitioner uh, practices one of the the ten perfections to an exceptional degree in the order that the ten perfections are given. Starting with giving all the way to, uh, the last one is is called exalted wisdom or exalted knowledge. And interestingly enough, we noticed that uh, at the sixth stage, uh, the person gains an exceptional understanding of of the true nature or ultimate nature of reality. But it's not until the tenth level does the bodhisattva uh, gain an, uh, uh, an exceptional understanding of what we call the conventional nature of reality. So, it would it would seem that it's it's easier not that it's an easy thing to do, it's easier to understand the ultimate nature of things than it is to understand the conventional nature of things. And this there is uh, there are different debates about what is the nature of the ultimate. What is the nature of the conventional? But the debate, uh, there is more of a debate about what is the nature of the conventional than there is about the nature of the ultimate. The ultimate, you can just say empty, nothing, and then if you don't say anything else, then you're kind of safe. <laughs> but when you try to explain what do you mean by nothing, then we get different schools, different ideas, and, and people more or less disagree. But when you get to the conventional, then people go into different camps and they're ready to fight, okay? Uh, What is the conventional? And because of the understanding of what is the conventional, then the very last, uh, so all the stages so far, the Bodhisattva on stage one, the Bodhisattva on stage two, all the way to stage 10, then there's more or less agreement about what's going on with the Bodhisattva, okay? Maybe the fine details, uh, perhaps there might be some disagreement but more or less there's agreement. But when, the now all the stages are, are, are gone and then the very last, the result, which is Buddhahood itself. Now, when you get to Buddhahood, there's generally, uh, within the Mahayana, I- the reason for coming, wanting to become a fully enlightened Buddha is to be able to help all sentient beings, right? Is to, uh, some is to do something which seems like coming back which do something which seems like appearing in people's w- in people's worlds, you know, or or the worlds of sentient beings, and then helping them, guiding them to reach Buddhahood, also, okay. And what is this phenomena? There's a lot of ex- a lot of explanations, a lot of disagreement as to exactly what this phenomena I- is. And also uh, to explain this. This, 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 uh, this phenomena of a being reaching an ultimate state which is the goal of Mahayana Buddhism and then uh, appearing again to sentient beings and then helping them guiding them and because of this and w- uh, and because of the different understandings of what is the conventional then we have there are different presentations about what is Buddhahood what is that state? Gen- in, in general, in general, everyone agrees that it is a state where it is the ultimate state for being to achieve. And once you achieve that state, you can help others. And it is a state which is uh, completely driven by compassion. It, where you say it, it is a it is a stage where compassion and love have been brought to their ultimate. Uh, uh, manifestation. So there's no more training left as far as compassion is concerned. There's no more training left as far as love is concerned. So love and compassion are brought to their ultimate uh, per- perfection. The third quality of a, of a fully enlightened Buddha is the, s- is, is the knowledge part, and that's where everybody you know start to fight. Everybody can say yes, he loves everybody, he has compassion for everybody. And, and they all agree with that but when it comes to the knowledge then they say, well, they all say okay, what, what can we say that we agree? We agree that the Buddha sees uh, the ultimate nature of reality constantly the Buddha doesn't have to go into meditation in order to see, and to see the true ultimate nature of reality just in the everyday uh, uh <laughs> and that would be a, a strange thing what, what is an everyday for a Buddha? and <laughs> again, that's another debate uh, so, as for, for the constantly, continuously, the Buddha sees a Buddha sees the, t- the ultimate nature of reality. And what about the conventional? And, and and some schools say that the conventional is equal to ignorance. To see anything, to see to see something that you can call conventional is equal to having ignorance ripening in your mind and they all agree that the state of buddhahood is achieved after having completely removed all the stains, all the potentials, all the seeds for any kind of ignorance, whatsoever. They all agree on that. But as far as the conventional, some say, because some say the conventional is equal to ignorance, so some say the buddhas don't see any conventional reality because for the conventional reality is a product of ignorance then the question comes then how does the buddha fulfill the purpose of becoming a buddha if the, uh, if the, the very appearance of whatever the very appearance of universes the very appearance of beings of different stages of being if that if the very appearance if that is very appearance is a product of ignorance then the Buddhas don't have any appearances whatsoever. It's like when you become a Buddha, the state of bliss of being a Buddha, the state of being an omniscient Buddha, is the state of being blind. Well... well, That because you don't see anything. Because if you were to see anything, it would be like seeing anything, perceiving anything, is a product of ignorance. That is one explanation. And the reason for for that is because taking, t- looking at the universe, looking at sentient beings from the perspective of, of someone who exists in, uh, f- from the perspective of somebody who is not enlightened it is everyone agrees that their minds, their perception is completely tainted with ignorance so we, there's no way we can say that what we are seeing is, uh, has any connection with with truth, because it is tainted by by uh, because it is tainted by ignorance. So when we see beings, perhaps even the co- even beings is is a product of ignorance. And when we see the universe, when we see place, we see uh, a time, time, space. These things are, uh, could be completely um, um, fabrications of ignorance. Okay. So, but there's one thing that they all agree on as to they don't agree as to what do Buddhas see if they see anything but they do agree that what the Buddhas see is exceptional for the Buddha so only when you are a fully enlightened Buddha can you answer the question what does a Buddha see truly before then all you can do is speculate now, uh, also, there are, uh, 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 we'll talk about the general things about w- that is agreed upon about what is the state of Buddhahood. So, the state of Buddhahood has, so we say, three expressions, and the three expressions are uh, the expressions of uh, what is the mind, mental state of 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 a being who's a Buddha. What is the uh, 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 expression of communication, relating? and what is, the, what is the expression of appearance okay. so these are, the, these are uh, called the, the, uh, the Dharmakaya the Sambhogakaya and the Nimanakaya uh, so Dharmakaya the kaya means form or expression so Dharmakaya is the dharma here is more in the sense of the, the sphere of truth Okay, the form of the body of the Buddha the, the, the expression of the Buddha that is completely immersed in truth in, the, in, in what is the true nature of reality okay. and that's the mind of the Buddha and the, how the Buddha relate the expression of the Buddha is, is uh, the, the next two forms there's one where the Buddha relates to those who are highly evolved and that's the Sambhogakaya Okay. and Sambhogakaya means the form or the expression of enjoyment Okay, and the Nimanakaya is the uh, uh, the one for those who are not uh, so highly spiritually involved, how does the Buddha relate to them and the Buddha relate to them through to uh, an appearance and that, that appearance could be anything that is needed for that person to uh, to, to learn so it could appear as a, as a, as a the 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 highest nimanakaya is the is the one that the personality that we knew as um, Buddha Shakyamuni. that that's that's called a nimanakaya. So that's called the highest because it's the highest because it appears in the world and it makes the 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 proclamation proclamation. Well, it makes the uh, it, it tells everyone I am a Buddha. Okay, And it, it proceeds on teaching uh, the path to enlightenment. So that's called the highest um, Nimanakaya form of the Buddha. Other Nimanakaya forms can be like, you know, for example, the cat rolling around here could be an emanation of the Buddha. Okay. And for one of us here, maybe just by looking at the cat, some spark, some realization comes out of, some, uh, comes out of it just by seeing the cat doing something. So that would be an emanation of the Buddha. And the Buddha could even appear as an inanimate object. It could be the cup you're holding. It could be the, the floor. It could be the rug. It could be the cushion. Okay? And, of course, uh, next to the highest, or which is really sort of equal to the highest form of, of the that I mentioned, but it, uh, it doesn't necessarily make the proclamation, I am a Buddha, is a teacher. Okay? And it is considered that, whenever you encounter a teacher who is uh, teaching you guy, uh, rightly, you have encountered the Buddha, an emanation of the Buddha. And, and that one itself also has different explanations. What does it really mean? Does that mean that when this person was born, from the, person from the time they were born up to the time they're dead, they were the Buddha? Or through this person, because of, your, of, of the connection that you have with them, because of the connection they have with the path, that the Buddha is able to communicate to you through them? Without them being necessarily being a fully enlightened Buddha themselves, okay. So that's different explanations. And also, there's one beautiful explanation that I that I encountered about uh, the Nimanakaya where a practitioner. And this is an explanation given for uh, the the phenomena in 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 Tibet that we know you hear of. It's called Turkus. You hear you, anyone, anyone? Turkus? Tulkus. is a uh, tul Tulku means. Uh, like a magical body a magical birth okay? and Turukus are supposed to be highly evolved beings People, beings who are high on the spiritual path and they are able to consciously make a decision to take a, to take a rebirth okay? and when they are reborn they usually uh, go through a process where uh, some other highly evolved being recognizes them and then they, they put them into a special training because they know that they have the capacity to learn fast okay? and they end, end up being some sort of a, uh, a world teacher okay? like the Dalai Lama for example is a Turku the, the Kamapa is a Turku and, and, you have, and, and now there are a lot of them okay? and uh, so one explanation about the Turku phenomena is that it's not necessarily the case that for example the Avalu- that uh, a Buddha or or, or Avalokiteshvara for example decides to come to the earth and then and takes on uh, and actually get reborn okay it could be that uh, some yogi or some practitioner because they have made such a connection with Avalokiteshvara that because Avalokiteshvara is constantly sending out you know uh, uh, how would you call that like uh waves of uh, good w- intentions or something like that, okay because they're constantly sending out waves of good intention like waiting for an opportunity constantly to go and help to go and, and, and do something for the welfare of others, so those waves, those waves of intentions like, no, you know, they're like in the atmosphere somewhere, okay and then as a yogi, because of you've made such a close connection with our, uh, our so like when you, are, when you are in passing through the bardo, you sort of like, you, you get hit with the wave, and you, and you are become very sensitive because of your practice of that wave, and you pick up on that intention. It's like, it's like you go through it, and you pick up the coloring of Avarokiteshvara. And then when you get reborn, because you pick on that coloring uh, of Avarokiteshvara, when someone else who has somewhat sensitivity uh, some sort of a spiritual sensitivity. When they look to see you, they think they're seeing Avadhishtvada. Okay, but as far as the yogi is concerned, the person who was born is concerned, they, you know, they're just a nice guy. They don't know why they're calling him <laughs> They just know that they have to practice. But for some reason, people are looking at them and call him Avadhishtvada. And some of them, some of them get very confused because they want to be honest. <laughs> they want to disappoint people. They want to say Avadhishtvada, and they want they, they don't want to say i Avadhishtvada. So they just you know they just watch and just keep doing what they're doing because they don't lose their sincerity, they don't lose their the only reason that they're able to pick up on this coloring, so to speak, is because they have reached a state where pride is not gonna uh, overwhelm them when people some someone points a finger at them and say, "Oh, i've gotta get this They say "Oh I'm going get this shoulder wait a minute i can I can rule here <laughs> something like that. So since they are free of that, so it's possible for them to pick up on that. So some, some others, some there's some explanation as to explain that's what a lot of the tulkus are. They're not necessarily Buddha Shakyamuni or Tara or so and so who's actually taken birth, but it's some high being who's taken on the coloring because of their because of their devotion to that to to that uh, entity to that to that uh, divine being. Okay, and it seems to make a lot of sense to me, but I, I, but I don't know. I, how to explain why it makes sense, but it seems to make sense, and so that's one explanation of of the Nimanakayas, okay, of uh, 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 one of the expressions of a, of, a, of a Buddha. Okay? now the the Nimanakaya is sort of uh, easy to explain, so. But when it, the especially the highest nimanakaya, the highest uh, uh, manifestation of the nimanakaya, where the person, uh, the the Buddha appears, and he says, at some point in 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 that person's life, person say, I am a Buddha, and then starts to teach. Uh, usually, the highest uh, manif- a highest nimanakaya is uh, uh, is a uh, is the how do you say? Um, Is the product? I would say I don't know. It's it's if it's, it's all the beings on the planet. It's their collective uh, collective uh, karma, which sort of uh, allows for such a being to make such a statement, and for that f- and for such a being not to be crazy. Okay, I mean, it's not only the Buddha, Buddha Shakyamuni, the historical Buddha, who was saying that I am fully enlightened. There were people. There were people. There were contemporaries of the Buddha who were saying that they are fully enlightened and there were those before the Buddha who were saying that they're fully enlightened, okay? Some of their teachings, some of, those, some, some of those teachings probably have lasted up to this point. Some of their teachings have completely gone into obscurity, okay? So when s- just because someone says that they are a Buddha doesn't necessarily mean that they're a Buddha. So what is the test of, of, of the truth of what they're saying? You put into practice what they're saying and you see if you achieve the state that, that, that they promised you to achieve and once you achieve that state is it the state that you ultimately wanted to, to achieve uh, when the Buddha was uh, in his uh, practicing days uh, he went to different teachers who, who said that they were who reached the, no, the highest state they were fully enlightened and the, uh, the state that they were, pra- they were saying was the enlightened state the Buddha went when the Buddha practiced their teaching and achieved that state the Buddha saw that, wait a minute, this is just a meditative state. It's not, uh, it's not a result, it's just a state you, you get into in meditation. And you can, you, can, you can only stay in that state and be functional. Well, you, you cannot be functional. <laughs> you cannot be functioning in while you're in that state. So you have to go into meditation, get into it, and then stay there. And then once it wears out, it wears out and then you go back into it again. And the only way for you to stay in there uh, for long periods of time is when you're dead. You know, you die and then you die in that state and you stay in that state. But you don't stay in that state forever. You, may, you stay in it for a very long period of time but eventually it wears out. So when the Buddha achieved those states, the Buddha said, Sorry, this is not the ultimate goal. Must be, must, the, the ultimate goal must be something else. It must be something that doesn't end. It must be something, that it mustn't be something that you have to constantly keep going into it and then stay in it and then come out, it's like you know going to a spa or something, you know. You go to a spa, you get into a nice hot tub, you feel great, but you can't take the hot tub with you wherever you go, because that nice feeling is only when you're in that hot tub. So, so, so that state that those other beings were promising, you have to, you have to do something, divorce yourself from the world. And then get into it, and then you enjo- and you get some very nice blissful state. Okay, so the Buddha, uh, uh, the wha- the Nimanakaya, which was the Buddha, who was able to make the, the proct- make the statement, and then to be able to make such a statement uh, of any uh, of such realization. That's what is called making the lions roar. Okay, roaring like a lion, and. Uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, Indian society at that time uh, it's understood that only a lion can make the sound of a lion and if anyone else make the sound of a lion or try to make the sound of a lion they will either fail at making it or if they try to they will not, will not be able to own up to having made that sound can you can imagine uh, uh, the, uh, the, the example is giving Thinking of a hyena or something roaring like a lion, and then when the challenge comes to prove that it's a lion, the hyena hyena cannot prove it. Okay, so when the Buddha makes the proclamation, "I am a Buddha," when he first remember when he first came out of uh, when he right after he finished achieving uh, Buddhahood, he stayed under the tree for like seven days or something or seven weeks and he finally was uh, 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 influenced enticed coaxed (laughs) into okay get up from under the tree and go teach and and when he started walking when he's heading towards uh, Renatus right then uh, when people met him they said wow there's something different about you (laughs) who are you and he, and he said, I am Buddha, I am awake, okay. So he made the proclamation, okay. And then, and, and so, f- and people tried to make him, try to disprove that he wasn't, and so far as far as uh, history is concerned, no one was able to disprove that, that he wasn't, uh, that he wasn't a Buddha, that he wasn't a Buddha, okay. So,
2: about what like Buddha sees, right, so mm-hmm. people came from, I said something like special about you, so he sees those people, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: defi- he, he sees everything that is to be seen, you say. He sees everything that is to be seen, nothing is hidden. And uh, he sees reality for what it is. He sees reality for what it is. Now, exactly what is that really pointing to, we can't really say, because we are immersed in ignorance. Whatever we, whatever we see, whatever we say, it will be a, an expression of, ig- of ignorance somehow. Okay. Not that it is complete ignorance. Because if it was complete ignorance, that would also mean that there's no way for us to ever reach enlightenment. Because when the Buddha is teaching to you, teaching you how to get to enlightenment, because of your ignorance, all you're hearing is ignorant stuff. And when you try to implement what the Buddha taught you as the Buddha uh, as to, reach, to reach enlightenment, if it was complete ignorance uh, uh, influence, then whatever you would do would be, a, would be an ignorant thing. So it's not complete ignorance, but you could say mostly ignorant. Well, that's that's one school that says <laughs> that. Some other schools say, uh, "Sorry, it's complete ignorance," but they don't explain exactly how do you go from completely being influenced by ignorance. Everything you say, everything you see, everything you hear, everything you you hear, everything you do is completely, completely. one percent percent person covered by ignorance, if it was, but they don't explain how you go from that state to completely enlightened. Okay.
2: But the ignorance part is only like with your mind, right? No. Yeah.
1: No, it's not that the cop is ignorant.
2: No, or I, what I was thinking is like, so when you're walking around and you meet, uh, the, like so the Buddha met these people, right? So if I met those people, mm. so whatever sort of physical stuff is going on, like lights hitting their bodies and bouncing off of my eyes, mm. and then but the ignorance part comes sometime after that, right? Yeah. So I
1: doesn't make any judgment. See that's that's one one way of of, of explaining it, of explaining what the Buddha sees. That this, these things exist. There's a cup here, there's a you know there are people here.
2: Yeah but I mean, uh, once we call it cup there could be a whole lot problem mm-hmm. um, to be, you know. Yeah.
0: Because
2: you know, if that's a cup and this is a cup all those are different. So mm-hmm. you know but but there is something there. Yeah, yeah
1: which we call a cup yeah. but uh, our, because we are influenced by ignorance there is something else going on in the perception of this of this phenomena that we are calling cup uh, as, uh, and when the Buddha sees it the Buddha is not influenced by that ignorance okay. if, if there is red here the Buddha sees red Well, one way of, of, of explaining it w- another way of uh, the other uh, explanation is that red itself is a product of ignorance so the Buddha doesn't see red and the way that they would, they would the way that the other well we're going to get to that <laughs> so we have uh, the Nimanakaya so when, when the Nimanakaya is walking around what does the Nimanakaya see so to speak right so whatever is the tr- whatever is whatever is really whatever is there. That's what the Buddha Nimanakaya sees. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh. okay. <laughs> Nimanakaya. So th- th- the we so we explain the uh, the Nimanakaya expression of the Buddha, and then there's the Sambhogakaya, which is the expression of the Buddha. So Nimanakaya appears and goes away, and Nimanakaya can be. Uh, there could be, you know, as many nimanakayas as there are sentient beings. Okay, and there could even be even more nimanakayas. Like a nimanakaya can be a, an entire universe appearing to one person. Okay, where everything in that universe is is an is a, is an emanation or expression of the Buddha appearing, waiting to teach that person. Okay, that that could be. And the sambhogakaya is. And, and people have somewhat of uh, uh, different opinions about this but the Sambhogakaya is that expression of the Buddha it, it, the definition is that expression of the Buddha that, that, is, that has that possesses the five certainties there are five things there that are always certain about it okay. it, it is a it is a form that has all the expressions of what, what do you call possesses all the the marks and signs of a of a uh, what's called a, a superhuman, okay, a superman, uh, a, per, a perfect being, okay. Uh, you know the 112 Marthans, right? okay. Um, so, so yeah. It was, it was 112. Yeah.
3: 112.
1: Yeah. So it it it's it's exactly the enumeration of those. Uh, marks and signs of perfection. Exactly what they mean. There are different, <laughs> different uh, uh, understandings. Okay, but it is—you can say—it is a form that appears when it appears to someone. It doesn't appear to have any flaws. Okay, and w- and why is that? So that in the mind of the person perceiving it, you can say there won't be any place for doubt to play, to play, to play any part. Like when if you go to uh, to a yogi in the mountain somewhere, you hear that this yogi is completely enlightened, completely perfected, da 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 Okay, and you go to that yogi, and then you see that the yogi you know limps, or you see that yogi has you know jewels uh, or something. Just because your your eyes, because you're perceiving that, that will play on the seed of your doubt that is in your mind. Wait a minute, this person can be enlightened This person is limping. I mean, Buddha drooling <laughs> so that that doubt in your playing in your mind is just would just is, is gonna fire up. is gonna create more obstacles for you. Okay, so the sambhogakaya doesn't it doesn't uh, ex- express doesn't ex- doesn't appear. What was that? Mean? Doesn't. Doesn't uh, go ahead, help me here. <laughs> doesn't show. Yeah, that was easy. <laughs> doesn't show any signs for for the person perceiving it to to see any imperfection. Okay, and that itself we can we can go back to that right. Okay, exactly what that means. Right, but before we go into <laughs> exactly what that means, let's go to the other four. So that's one one of the s- certainties about it. Uh, the other the other certainty about it is that it it dwells. In an environment that has the same semi kind of thing, okay. The environment is always uh, it says it dwells in a. W- this is where the Buddha Paris, <laughs> Paradise, Paradise. <laughs> this is where the Buddha paradises are, okay. So the Sambhogakayas live in what we what we might call heavens, what we might call uh, in Buddhism what we call the Buddha field uh, or Buddha lands, okay. Uh, so that's the second thing, and the third thing is that they are always surrounded by highly advanced, uh, uh, highly advanced spiritual practitioners. Okay, how only, only highly advanced bodhisattvas uh, uh, are born in those places? Okay, and exactly, not sure which which level. I think, um, no, Sometimes you hear first, bo- first Bhumi First, booming bodhisattvas are born there. Sometimes you hear only eighth-level bodhisattvas and up there, so oh, highly advanced, and only bodhisattvas are born there. Okay. The the next thing is that it uh, only Mahayana is taught there, only the path to full enlightenment, full uh, full Buddhahood is taught there. No other path is taught there.
0: Okay.
1: And one of the w- beautiful things about it is also that form, that appearance will never show signs of degeneration. It will never get sick, it will never show that it's tired, and it will never show signs that it's about to die. Okay, So it's an immortal appearance. Uh, but they, they never say immortal because uh, supposedly it will go away once there are no more sentient beings to, to, uh, to go out and, and do something for. Okay, So it is said it will last as long as samsara lasts. So, g- sort of giving you the impression, almost like the hope one day samsara will end, and but at the same time it gives you, the, it, it gives you the, uh, uh, also may give, may, makes you wonder about okay, when samsara ends and there's no more need for this sambhogakaya what will happen? would it be withdrawn? There will be no more heavens. There will be just what? and then of course people love to speculate and people speculate about that also yeah. and since it's mere speculation, what happened? people disagree <laughs> ok well, you, you didn't
2: say
1: that the Dharmakaya is gone, right? no, the Dharmakaya is uh, not. No. No. So no, this is just the Sambhogakaya yeah. yeah, this is just about the Sambhogakaya the Nimanakaya, we see it, get uh, like uh, the example we have of Buddha Shakyamuni, for example the, f- the personality that was here 2500 years ago that one is no longer around. So we know that the Manakaya's appear and dis- disappear. But that one Sambhogakaya form uh, doesn't disappear, doesn't, uh, doesn't appear and it disappear. It stays. At the very moment that that person achieved Buddhahood, then they have that uh, Sambhogakaya. And that Sambhogakaya remains, it will remain until Buddhahood, I mean until there's no more Samsara. And it will remain in that state, in its perfect state, looking gorgeous every day. <laughs> Imagine going over there, like, oh Buddha, you're gorgeous today. <laughs> I know, it's every day. <laughs> so the Buddha looks gorgeous every day uh, from, from the moment that they achieve Buddhahood until the end of samsara. They never have a, any sign, any, not, even a, not even an atom of, of sign of degeneration. Okay. And they only only teach Mahayana. They only teach how to reach Buddhahood. They only have their retinue of, of bodhisattvas, let's say. I'm not sure there is of agreement actually exactly what, what level. Some say very high, some say just any bodhisattva. Okay? And that. And, uh, so that's the Samogakaya. So those five certainties, everyone agrees. Okay, yeah, we agree with that. Now when it comes to explaining them, of course, there are disagreements. Now the last one, which is the ultimate form of of the Buddha's expression, which is the Buddha's uh, mind. So, there are two things that are are always going on there. The Buddha is always enjoying a state of bliss, the highest ecstatic uh, uh, absorption. And while the Buddha is always in that state, the Buddha is always perceiving directly the ultimate nature of things. Those two things are always there, always present. Now the third thing which would, would make the Buddha's omniscient state that the Buddha is always, all the time, directly perceiving all phenomena. Okay. And the third part, that's where there is a disagreement. What is all phenomena? Uh, if, if phenomena is the, m- is the mere manifestation of, if, if the condition of appearance of phenomena is a di- is a product of the disease of, 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 of ignorance. Then the Buddhas don't see phenomena. So there are some schools, some that say that Buddhas don't see phenomena. All they have is a state of bliss, directly perceiving uh, ultimate nature, and that's it, and that's forever, that unending. Okay. But the Buddhas, everyone says, the Buddhas are omniscient because they have to be omniscient because. How are they going to help all sentient beings if they don't, can't see all sentient beings, if they cannot know what all each sentient being needs? Okay. So they have to be omniscient. And then what does that mean? And then different schools, right? So, but so far we, we explain what everybody agrees. There's the Dhammakaya, which is the Buddha's mental state. And it's, it, it doesn't have to enter into meditation to see the ultimate nature of reality. He doesn't have to enter into some sort of meditation to experience ecstatic bliss. All this happens effortlessly. Okay. Now, as far as o- the omniscient aspect, some extent omniscient means the Buddha. Th- those very two qualities is what makes the Buddha omniscient. That because the Buddha is always directly perceiving the ultimate nature of things, the ultimate nature of things, or, or, or because the Buddha is, is completely absorbed in the ultimate nature. And it's always bliss, that's what, that's all, that's the only thing that's real anyway. So the Buddha is seeing all that is real, which is just the ultimate, so the Buddha is omniscient. So that's how they explain omniscience. Okay? And the other ones say, wait a minute, that doesn't explain the purpose of why a being becomes a Buddha. The Buddha, a being becomes a Buddha in order to appear in the world and help sentient beings. Like Buddha Shakyamuni for example. Okay. It appeared here, and it was helping, guiding people, and it wasn't. It wasn't just you know blindly you know sitting w- sitting down one place and teaching the Dharma and hoping that somebody would would pass by that it doesn't see would hear the Dharma and pick it up. It, was, it would see that oh this person has potential. Let me teach this person this way. That person has that potential. I will teach that person that way. This person has this potential. I will teach this person this way. So it was making those kind of discriminations. Okay, so. And it's because the Buddha has the capacity to see all these phenomena and he sees those phenomena directly without having to rely on someone else or some other agency, that's why he's omniscient. Okay. So that's one explanation of to explain his omniscience. Okay. So the Dhammakaya Sambhogakaya. Now the the, the the thing about the sambhogakaya that they don't agree with, you no, know, it has to do of course with conventional exactly what what is appearing. And and I have to agree somewhat with one explanation that says the way we describe, for example, a perfectly always appearing perfectly to those who perceive it, right? It, uh, the way it is usually described, when you look at the description, it's, it's like they're describing a beautiful, perfect Indian prince at the time of the, you know, when the when the uh, uh, Indians had had all those kingdoms and the uh, Indian Empire, uh, the. Different Indian uh, uh, empires and so forth, right? Where the king w- w- would, uh, would would dress in, in such regal, and they considered that to be, you know, the perfect way, right? So since that was their example of what was perfect expression, so when they are describing the Sambhogakaya, they would describe it according to what they understand. So they, when they're describing the Sambhogakaya dwelling in 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 uh, in, in, uh, in some Buddha land somewhere, they're describing the palace of a king, and since they were Indians, <laughs> they were describing the palace of a king the way they would see a king. So that's why, the, when you see the uh, uh, the images of the Buddhas and so forth, they are wearing you know, Indian regal garments, the the, the kind of uh, crown they were that they wear, the fact that they wear a crown at all, and what kind of then and that they wear the kind of crown that you see an Indian uh, Indian king would wear and the kind of clothing that they wear is the kind of thick clothing that you would see on an Indian king. So, so exactly what it appears to, to them and then when they're describing what are these marks of perfection, some of them are not necessarily so, uh, don't, see <laughs> don't sound so appealing for someone, for, for, for someone in a different <coughs> culture, like you no know, earlobe that touches your shoulders. For some people, that might be the most gorgeous thing to see on someone. For some people, that might be the most horrible thing to see. Okay? So one person coming and and not seeing an earlobe <laughs> touching the ear, touching the, the shoulder, might say, oh my God, this person is... a. That, oh, how can somebody have an earlobe and it's not touching their, sh- their shoulders? And someone can see an earlobe touching someone's shoulder. Oh my God, please, I want to see that. How can somebody's earlobe <laughs> touch their shoulders? Okay? So exactly what is... Uh, so one there's somewhat of, a, of an agreement that the, the depictions that we have are not necessarily uh, due to enlightened seeing like an enlightened enlightened uh, enlightened mind seeing the, 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 the and then describing it okay. it is from the perspective of those who are not enlightened and that's what that's the highest thing that they can think of, okay. So they describe it that way. Okay. So it, for, uh, if the Buddha had appeared in 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 ancient Greece, in ancient uh, Greece, for example, uh, the the, the sambhogakaya would have been you know the way the those those uh, Greek statues were, were depicted. That would have been the, how the Buddha would be depicted, and the kind of you know, the crown of Caesar maybe. <laughs> would that's what the Bodhisattvas would be wearing, the crown of Caesar or something like that. Okay. So, exactly what it looks like, it probably appears completely different to the person perceiving it. Maybe, or there might be a, a, a way of a, a, of appearance that we just don't have any comparison for here. All we can do is make a, 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 a metaphor. Okay, so that's one uh, explanation, and one explanation goes even further to say. The mere fact of talking about the sambhogakaya as those 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 states has only to do with appealing to us. Okay, exactly what 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 is what is the sambhogakaya? We, we can't really it cannot be really be uh, described. There's nothing conventional about it. There are no appearances whatsoever. If there is an appearance, it has nothing to do with wh- what we see with eyes, ears, and, and other senses. Okay so that's uh, the state of Buddhahood that we all uh, <laughs> trying to work hard to achieve okay it, it, it has those three expressions you still have a body but exactly what that body appears like still have a form there are disagreements about, about it but there is a way to appear to others and then there is a the mind that uh, comprehends there is a comprehension of 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 uh, of the nature of reality, mm. okay. And some even go or go far to say that the Buddhas don't have minds anymore. once you reach Buddhahood, you don't you don't have mind anymore. You don't have consciousness anymore. Some some even say that Buddhahood is a state of where you have where you go beyond consciousness. And what's mm. what's that? We don't know. A different kind of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> it w- it w- I guess it would be like a different kind of consciousness, but yeah. they refuse to call it consciousness. Okay. All right, so uh, s- from the way Buddha has been described are you know sort of itching to get there. <laughs> I want to get to that controversial state so we were going to start <laughs> there. <laughs> so we were going to argue about what I have achieved. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wouldn't see
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions? You were gonna? Did you? Did you ever, You were gonna say something, but you we're gonna wait. Wait you in another day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I guess the, uh, I'll
3: throw it out. To
0: Yeah, that's that's so
3: when you were asking the question.
1: Th- even that itself uh, you can see there are different takes on the o- on that very same some say that uh, because of the everyone agrees that the Buddha doesn't need uh, a, a mediator to perceive to him to have a perception right? everyone agrees with that so every perception of the Buddha is direct right? so to explain the direct perception of the Buddha of like w- when you say that, uh, you brought up the idea that when the Buddha uh, appears in such a form, the Buddha has the experiences of that form, and that's how we can know, right? Which is very good. And the the way that that is explained is that uh, it's just a mental something that's happening mentally. Uh, the Buddha is not seeing for example colors and shapes not seeing uh, those kinds of things what the Buddha is seeing is the person's thoughts and the Buddha sees in the person's mind that the person is is experiencing suffering and that's the only way the Buddha can see those, those suffering things uh, but that would seem to, to suggest that the Buddha is seeing through an intermediary like the Buddha needs to have that person, if that person is asleep and unconscious, con- for example, the Buddha wouldn't see that person is suffering.
2: No, well not necessarily. They would, they would see the person what dreams they're having
1: or whatever. No, unconscious, not having any dreams.
2: Unconscious. Yeah. Is that such a state that you can have? Yeah. Unconscious.
1: Yeah, when you're blacked out, mm. not dreaming, but deep sleep.
2: So you don't have any sort of. Consciousness
1: you don't have any anything appearing in your mind. You're not perceiving something. I mean, it th- okay. th- that and is then because... You're not, then
2: you're not suffering at that point. You're not you're suffering? Not, not you're not so somebody
1: in in the, in the hospital who's in, in, in a coma is not suffering.
2: Well, are they in a coma? Or they can really be conscious. Hmm?
1: Could
2: it could be some sort of consciousness,
1: right? Don't so talk about the kind of coma where you're in deep sleep. Unconscious? Yeah, Unconscious. Or if, if a person was hit by a bus. Yeah, they're hit
2: by a bus,
1: yeah. And, and they're, totally they're totally unconscious. They're not suffering.
2: Until they're they conscious of it, until they wake up.
1: Oh. Really? So the suffering comes only when they wake up?
2: Yeah, when yeah, suffering is a is a mental <coughs> experience, right?
1: So the best thing to do is to keep that person unconscious,
2: <laughs> uh, so they won't suffer. Well, yeah, the, the, this brings up the issue about ceasing to exist. Do you really want to cease to exist?
1: Mm-hmm. Sometimes I aspire to that. <laughs> uh, so
2: uh, I would say no. I'd say the best situation would be you are conscious and experiencing something mm-hmm. that is present. Yeah. That, yeah. sort of misery in the future mm-hmm. so I would say no you shouldn't leave them sleeping you should try to find a way to get them into a state where they're experiencing something joyful
1: mm. but, we're talking about but
2: when they're I- when you're unconscious when they're unconscious not their body sleep, completely dead broken dead dreams or anything
1: no, the, no deep sleep
2: yeah deep sleep you're suffering in, in, when you're totally unconscious I don't, I don't see that yeah
1: you don't see how that you're suffering you can say the very con- sort of
2: pervasive suffering way that there's misery down the road yeah but you're not, no, it's not it's not a
1: misery down the road it's a misery that's happening right now really I
2: don't see your that your
1: body's completely broken
2: yeah but you're not feeling it you're not feeling ow, ow.
1: no you, you're talking about pain yeah you're talking about the person not feeling pain you're talking about the condition of su- suffering
2: yeah the, you're saying the Buddha doesn't perceive their suffering
1: no I was saying if the only way for the Buddha to see that such person is yeah, suffering, I, and, I
2: the whole
1: it would be to, to see yeah. the person, what's appearing in the person's mind. Yeah,
2: right, right, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Sits in deep
1: sleep, there's nothing appearing in the person's mind other than just darkness. Yeah. The Buddha still
2: know that the, the as soon as they wake up, they're going to be in terrible pain.
1: The Pusat, the no, the Buddha doesn't know that. Why? In that, com, in, that, in that situation, the Buddha doesn't know because the Buddha is seeing that they're only, only seeing what they're seeing. And what no they're no seeing at no that, no,
2: that no, no no not that they're only seeing what they're seeing. They're 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 seeing what they're seeing and also understands much more than that. They understand that the person was hit by bus right no, now they're in deep sleep. You are in the
1: other hat. No, we talk about the hat of the person the hat of of the school where they believe that the only thing that the persu- the Buddha can see is
2: the only thing Buddhas see, see are the experience of other beings. What sense.
1: is appearing in the minds of others.
2: Well that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because then what about someone we said, so some, someone being unconscious, yeah, they wouldn't. I mean, to be omniscient, one way of saying omniscience is they would know that's very nice, yeah, very
1: nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, if that was the case, to explain the omniscience of the Buddha is that they're able to see what beings are seeing when they are seeing it. If that is what, what makes the Buddha omniscient, if that is the only thing if that is the only kind of perception that the Buddha has, then when someone is, uh, is, uh, is unconscious or in, in, in deep sleep, that person goes out of existence for the Buddha. And that world that person is perceiving experiencing goes out of existence for that Buddha. And until that person wakes up, the Buddha has no idea that Buddha could be stepping on the person <laughs> and not <laughs> stepping on somebody because that person is unconscious. Because the Buddha cannot perceive anything other than what the person is perceiving in that, in that, in that school.
2: Yeah, there's a whole lot of problems that would come up.
1: With yeah, that.
2: yeah. Like, what about an unpopulated planet?
1: Yeah, the Buddha wouldn't be able to see, see it. See
2: the, uh, you know, Mars or something. Yeah. No
1: yeah. Yeah.
4: Unless I was <laughs> sort of relating it to seeing around the corner. Like, when uh, we were talking last week with Richard's daughter, hurt. Mm-hmm. She's hurt around the corner, mm-hmm. and he's here. Mm-hmm. He can't perceive she's suffering because mm-hmm. he can't see her again. Mm-hmm. but when he gets to the corner mm-hmm. you know he can see her suffering mm-hmm. is that the, s- is the same idea of the Buddha being able to see around the corner uh, th-
1: that would yeah, that would be the same as the Buddha sees only what is appearing in, in minds of, of beings that, that would be something like that
4: um, but it, uh, in uh, conventional I'm trying to Mix the two senses <laughs> uh, because a conventional person can't see around the corner,
1: uh-huh.
4: and if you know the person's unconscious,
0: mm-hmm. and, I
4: had a point I <laughs> <laughs> the idea of seeing around the corner. Uh,
1: so it's something is happening around the corner. Yes, and because it's around the corner, and because we don't have the around the corner perception. Yes. Uh, so we also sort of it, 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 we don't know about it.
4: The, round the corner is the idea of the person being unconscious. You know, with this, if you had... This yeah, thing yeah, the that would be like the person being
1: unconscious. And right. right from the Buddha. Uh,
4: yes. Okay. And away from the Buddha. So there's no... Mm.
1: So around the corner for Mike, for, G, for Richard, Richard is the same thing as a <laughs> being being unconscious in front of the Buddha.
4: Uh, that's what I'm. Uh, that's how I'm trying. That, that's to this it. idea, not that's the enda- idea, not, okay, exactly, not
1: the enda- exactly. But, so but that would okay. be this idea. If the only way for a Buddha to see what beings are going through is to only have only that—that okay. that is the only phenomena that the Buddha can see are minds Direct. and what's happening in, in in minds. Okay. So if your mind is seeing, you know, uh, something you call a temple with white paint, then the Buddha is able to see it but if there was no mind perceiving temple with white paint the Buddha would not be able to see temple with white paint according to this idea okay so it would be like so if I was in here and I had an accident and I'm unconscious the Buddha, be, the Buddha would not be able to help me even the Buddha was right outside <laughs> because <there's laughs> I'm not awake to see eyes. So the inside so I can say, oh there's somebody in there
4: yeah that's uh, that's yeah that will be direction I'm leaning. yeah yeah
1: or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I like to talk about this this kind of thing. I, I could stay here for <laughs> another day. Uh, yeah, I mean,
3: there's just probably, you know, there's a lot of um, misconceptions about the unconscious state that are being thrown into this argument. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the thing is uh let's say that we just since we are just making uh, assumptions so we are just assuming that okay let's say there is that state that's what that state is when you're in deep sleep that's actually that's what happens there's no consciousness there's no awareness of anything going on there it's just complete non-awareness right so that's
3: what I, was I don't know whether that
1: state exists so so i'm i'm saying that just for the sake of con-
3: <laughs> so if it did, if
1: it did, yeah, then, then that. You
3: could, you know, you could start with that argument. Yeah,
1: eight mm. Well, we need more, more, more. How do you say uh, more, more, data <laughs> to continue <laughs> with our assumption? None of us to make this speculation. We have to have more. We need, we need more data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yes, there is some sort of activity going on in the mind, but. We don't have the, the means of knowing right now exactly what's going on. But we do, there is something that goes on, there's an experience that goes on that we, you are all familiar with, with somehow, that is called being blacked out, deep sleep. And the way we understand it is, the way we understand it right now is that you're not aware of anything. You're not aware of what you're feeling, you're not, you're not hearing anything, you're not even ha- dreaming. You're not thinking. And we think it happens in in that moment of, of deep sleep. Okay. We're just assuming that state exists like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
3: So but then if you step back and just look at the mind continuum, uh-huh. <coughs> it's continuing, right? Uh-huh. So it never has any you know, is it ceasing? Is the mind continuum ceasing? No, no, the, the, the uh, state
1: no, it's, it's like a, a body moving, sitting, moving, and then there's a, 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 an appearance of the body staying still, but the body is still, you know, still uh, functioning. So in the same way with the mind, the mind moving, thinking, uh, there could be a, a point where the mind is at rest. Just because the mind is resting doesn't mean that the mind is ceasing to exist. So it would be a, 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 a sense of resting for the mind It's not to suggest that the mind exists at that point. Okay, I think we've uh, reached way down, way beyond. (laughs) All right, so a lot of things for you to think about, (laughs) and I'll throw this in there. When when Buddhahood is the state of Buddhahood is been described is described in such a way it to an audience so that the audience will end up aspiring to it. Okay, so since there are different uh, uh, ways to aspire people, that's why Buddhahood is described in different ways. Okay, so if you live in in um, I don't know if we were really materialistic. I would have dis- Buddha would probably would have been described, you know, like you, you, you oh, it's a place uh, where you, where you, where you have enough money to buy, <laughs> to buy the universe, or you own all the money in the universe and you have a few planets, a few universes, and there's a lot of transactions going on, all the taxes come to you. I don't know. <laughs> and for a very materialistic person, say, wow, I want to be a Buddha. <laughs> okay. All right. So we we'll recite both the Tibetan and the English, back to 16, and then 17, and I always forget that one,
4: 17.
1: and 26 and
0: 27. Okay, so first 16 and 17. <coughs> <coughs> The <speaking in foreign language> <speaking in> first <foreign language> Visualized as a Buddha field, I offered to the merit field. The all beings partake of a supremely pure Buddha field. guru okay, page 26.
1: Uh, the cushion is not the sun, the and, moon, and the lotus. Mm-hmm. When they are alive, you know they can sit on, on, on lotus and cushion. Looks like a big pillow.
3: <laughs> jump a okay. Really.